Good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good. I, I found my shoes this week, and so we're blessed. I still might wear my Birkenstocks. It's Florida. Everyone's like, it's okay. You can kind of get away with that down here. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, today is an exciting day. We're going to be starting a, a new series uh, as a church and, and kind of taking us from where God's brought us so far to where we're going to go next. And uh, I want to read a verse that's going to kind of set the stage with uh, what I want to talk to you about today. And it comes from Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is Paul speaking to the Philippian church. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I could say it like this, good news church, I do not consider ourselves or myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord to us today. Good news, church. So often our faith gets slowed or it gets scuttled or sidetracked, not because of major things, because of minor failures. You know, I have, sometimes people come to my office and they'll, they'll want to talk to me about their, their, their issues that they're going through. And, I, and so I start with kind of a basic assessment. My friend Caleb's here. He's in the medical field. And you start with basic, the basic things. Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you going to church? Is there times of worship? Are you in community? So many times people say, well, no, but that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going through. So it's like someone going to the doctor and says, I'm overweight, I don't sleep, I drink too much, I get no exercise, why don't I feel good? And they're like, maybe it's because of that. Well, no, that has nothing to do with it. Well, maybe it does have something to do with that. You know, I, there's uh, one counselor um, that I was reading about, he wrote, he wrote a book, and he charges $2,000 an hour to do counseling in New York City. And when you sign up to go to see him, he first asks you about your sleeping and your eating plan and he will not even see you for two months until you've ascribed to his sleeping and eating plan, which means you're sleeping <laughs> and you're eating correctly. He said 80% of people never call him back because the issue was those things. And I think as a church, we have to always remind ourselves of the basics of our Christianity and return to them. You know, I, I, uh, I had a friend... I used to run a lot of ultra marathons, and I ran one race in particular. I'll never forget. It was a 50-mile race through the mountains, and it was pretty grueling. And I was allowed to get a pacer at mile 40. At mile 40, there was an aid station, and you'd arrive there, and if, if you wanted, you could have a friend there to kind of help you push on, press on the rest of the way. And I never forget, I, I arrived at the station. I was dehydrated. I was seeing hallucinations. I saw a gnome on the trail. I remember that gnome. And I plopped down on, on, on the bench, and the medics came and checked me out, and they're like, you should quit. And my friend walked up to me and goes, get up, let's go. And he's like, he's fine. He's like, he doesn't look fine. He goes, he's fine. And he kind of grabbed me and said, we're going to keep going. And I thought, you know, I was wanting to say, oh, today's hard. You should quit. But I picked the right friend ahead of time, one that would not let me quit, but one who would say, we're going to press on. We're going to keep going. And we started running. And there's a little bit of ultra marathoning advice I got. I'll never forget it. And, it, and it's, a, it's life advice. And it says this. How you feel now is not how you're going to feel in 15 minutes. 
Because sometimes in life, there's seasons of discouragement and pain that you think it is always going to feel like this. It's always going to be hard. It's always going to be difficult. But that's why the, the, the author of this, this verse comes and says, we press on. And you know what? My life has been like that. My running has been like that. And as a church, listen, you may feel high. You may feel low today. But I'm coming here as your pastor say, we are going to press on. Because God has done so much but he's not done. We have not yet taken hold of all of that for which Christ has taken hold of us. And I want to share in this next uh, uh, several weeks uh, some of the basics of, I think, of our Christianity that we always have to return to. And today is we press on into the gospel. We press on to the gospel. Tim Keller, Dr. Keller says this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ Jesus than we could ever hope for. A lot of times we minimize our sinfulness and we minimize God's greatness. But the truth of the gospel is that the more we grow in God, the more we realize we are really, we're really messed up. We are sinners. And at the same time, it only serves to highlight the goodness and the greatness and the graciousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is the essence of the gospel. This is the essence of the gospel. And so I think that as you read scripture, you're going to find four realities pertaining to the gospel. And the first is this, I think it's pretty clear, is that we're saved by the gospel. We're saved by the gospel. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. I don't know everyone's backgrounds here yet and what places you come from. Maybe you grew up in Christianity. Maybe you grew up in other religions. But the gospel of Jesus Christ stands up against every other religion in the world. And it's such a distinct way. Because all of the other religions of the world are based on doing, do this. You know, there's the five pillars of Islam. There's, a, there's the sacraments of the Catholic Church. And it's like you're trying to like collect all of them and win salvation. And if you do, 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 you will get salvation. But the gospel says, and Jesus summarizes it so well on the cross. He says, it is finished. It is done. It is complete. Religion says, if I get it together, basically he'll accept me. But the gospel says I can never get it together, but I can be whole in Christ. And this is the message we proclaim as a church. This is the message we proclaim as Christians, that the, the work of Jesus Christ was sufficient and it accomplished all that we needed. I think the best, um, the best story is found in Luke chapter 23. And I'll read it to you and then I'll, I'll talk to you about it for a minute. But it says this. This is, the picture is Golgotha. Jesus is on the cross with the criminals. And that's the scene we arrive at with Luke 23. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. One of the criminals who hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished 
justly. Let me just pause there. That's important. It's important to understand we are sinners and the punishment we are about to get, we have earned. And he said, we have earned this. We have earned this. It says, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. I love this story because this is the first man, the first person saved in the new covenant. The first person whose Jesus shed blood was still wet on the cross and he was being saved by it. And what did he do to earn it? Nothing. Did he, did he go to church? Did he get baptized? Did he join a small group? Did he start tithing faithfully? Did he quit his smoking habit? No. He just said, I put my entire trust in Jesus. And Jesus says, that's all you got to do. It's so simple. So funny when my son, he, he was at a Catholic school when he was younger. And, 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 and basically, the, the Catholic faith says, says some things differently. The, the sacraments are very important. Salvation kind of requires this plus this plus this plus this. And then you, you get that. And, you know, oh, the, the, the nun who was a really sweet old nun, she looked like a female friar tut, said, Oh, today's special for a certain class because they're going to get baptized today. And, and someone said, do you, have to be, do you have to be baptized to be saved? Now, I certainly believe in baptism for sure. But I said, go ask the nun, what about the man on the cross? He was never baptized. Was he saved? And he said, oh, I don't want to cause trouble with the nun. I said, just, just, just ask her, you know. So he asked her, and she's a sweet old lady, really sweet. Sister Therese Marie. And she goes, well, this is, this is classic. Well, there was a special grace for him. <laughs> no, there's not. There's not. Now, now, I'll tell you what. If that man was not on the cross, if he was not on the cross, and we're going to get to it in a minute, I'm certain he would have been baptized. I'm certain he would have joined a church. I'm certain all those things would have happened. But we cannot mistake this. We cannot take away from this that we are saved by Jesus, Period. Nothing by what we do. We are saved by Christ alone. Someone said this. Most of us become guilty of this Christless Christianity because we look at the Bible and we see all the imperatives without being washed by the indicatives. We spend more time asking what would Jesus do instead of what did Jesus do. We have to keep reminding ourselves of the difference between moralism and the gospel. We have to keep remembering that the reason Christ came was, first of all, not to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. If we forget that, our Christianity will turn out to be Christless. The number one priority of this church is the gospel. And it is to remind ourselves that we are saved by the power of the message of the cross. We preach Christ crucified. Number two... This is important This is because I think you'd all agree with me very strongly on number, number one, but I, I want to say this. We are sanctified by the gospel. We're sanctified by the gospel. I want to I read again the, the text that we have for this morning. Not that I've already obtained all this, but I have a, a, all, or have already arrived at my goal. You see there's like a process he's talking about. But I press on. And to take hold 
of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind. And by, by, by behind could be 20 years ago. It could also be Saturday. I want to be further on Sunday than I was on Saturday. I press on. Forgetting what's behind and straining forward to what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the price, the prize for which Christ, uh, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So often we can reduce the gospel. I say the gospel, and if you say that in Florida, Florida is different than New York. I'll tell you what, there's a, there, everyone kind of is in church, you know, bless your heart, you know, and, and they have a familiarity with religion. And so I say the gospel, they could say, oh, that's a sermon, or that's a, 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 a worship group that I follow, or it's gospel music, or it's, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, so what, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about the gospel? Sometimes it's, 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 it's just reduced to a sermon or a message we heard, and we responded to it, and we got saved. Someone preached the gospel, and in that moment, you said yes to it. And I remember when I received the gospel, and all of a sudden, my, my heart came alive to the things of God in ways that had never happened. To me, it happened, I would actually say it happened to me in two different distinct ways. When I was a very young, as young, as much as I could understand Jesus, I, I received him at age five. I remember like it was yesterday walking down the aisle and, and, and praying a prayer. But at 16, I remember hearing someone else uh, preach the gospel to someone else on the street. And when I heard it, it was like, it just, like, like the, the, something came alive. I said, whoa, wow. When I heard what Jesus did and I knew it, I knew it in my mind. That's why the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. Because see, Satan knows the message of the cross. Satan knows the gospel. Satan was there when Jesus was crucified. Satan isn't saved. Because the message is in his head, but it hasn't gripped his heart. And there are so many people that can quote the Bible, they can quote the verse, but it's not captivated their hearts. And at 16, it captivated my heart that it changed me. That's important, but it doesn't stop there. We don't get saved by the gospel and then live out our Christianity by our own strength. What saves us sanctifies us. And Galatians says this, Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses, says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Mark Schilling doesn't live anymore. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I want you to see those words. We're going to come back to them in a second. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. See, see the words I now live. That, that, that is present tense. He, it's not past tense. Oh, I, I, I received the gospel. No, he said, right now, I am living out my faith in the gospel. I, I am being changed because of the, the message of the cross. He's, he's saying he thinks about the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It, it, it is what he did for us on the cross. He says uh, he's presently dying to himself daily. As you study the Reformation, the very first... Um, of Martin Luther's 95 thesis was this. When our Lord Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of a believer to be one of repentance. They began, continue, and end their life of faith here on earth with repentance. He goes on to say this, we're justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. 
It means we, 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 we come to the cross just as we are, and then we begin a lifelong journey of transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is not apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm married. And saying I'm sorry I don't pick up my socks is not enough. Every day, every day for 23 years, I'm sorry I didn't pick up my socks. I'm sorry I didn't pick up my socks. I'm sorry. She doesn't want sorry. She wants me turning from my sins. And picking up my socks. Like just shut up with the sorries. Just stop doing it. The man on the cross did not say the sinner's prayer. Did you notice that? Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I confess that I'm a sinner. He just said, I am putting my trust in you. And sometimes we minimize our faith to these little ritualistic practices, but what Christ is turning, uh, charging us to do, and Martin Luther talks about it, is that all of life is turning to Christ. It's turning to Christ. All the time, turning to Christ. So I, I start to watch that. He says, that's not for Christians. I turn from that. I start to, I start to talk in a certain way. He said, no, no, that's not for Christ. Turn. To, I start to treat my wife and kids in a certain way. Nope, nope, nope. Turn, turn, turn. All of life is repentance. Repentance means turning. And if I were to come to you, to you individually, right, this is kind of a litmus test for our spiritual health. What right now in this season of your life is the Holy Spirit challenging you with to turn? Now you're lucky. I'm not going to have a, row, a show of hands and I'm not going to point at anybody. But the reality is, is that's a question you should ask yourself right now. Is there, is there an area of my life where the Holy Spirit is challenging me to turn? If you say no, then you're either Jesus Christ or you're not listening hard enough. Or you're not listening to your spouse hard enough because they'll, they'll, they'll help you figure out. If I say, babe, I think I've arrived, she'll say, oh, no, you've not. Let me, I have a list actually in my pocket right now. All of life is, is repenting. And the gospel is the gospel that helps us to change. Number three, we are sustained by the gospel. To sustain something means to strengthen it means protection. It means encouragement. It means comfort. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you. Now, let me just stop there. See, I want to remind you. I love that. That's what I'm doing here today. I'm reminding you of the gospel that you received. And listen, and which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Without getting into deep theological weeds today, I want you to see here what he's saying is the gospel that started the thing in you is going to strengthen you as you go. Like I said, I've run many marathons and I've never seen anyone fail to start. It's easy to start a marathon. Every single one of you here could start a marathon. Could sign you up tomorrow. We'd say, ready, set, go. But that's where the real thing begins. I was married 23 years ago. I put this ring on my finger. It was a gold one, actually not a rubber one. This is a child safe one, so I don't hurt myself at the gym. But I put a ring on my finger. I made a vow. She made a vow to me. And we began our marriage. How many know that wasn't the end? That was just the beginning. Neither one of us had any idea of the journey marriage are gone. I didn't put the ring on and go, all right, see you later, we're married. 
No, we moved in together. We started a life together. We learned to communicate and reconcile differences. And it was a journey. And it was easy to get married. Anybody can get married. It's awfully quiet out there. <laughs> Anyone can get married. It's like 25 bucks. I think it's cheaper than a dog license. And you get married. Staying married is a bit harder. I think we get at least a quiet amen on that, you know. Till death do us part. It, it sounds cute when you're 21 and you're taking vows, but after a long time, you think, you know, maybe I'll cause the death. She's like, no, no, I'll go first. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. We gotta, we gotta press on in marriage. And 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 see, God's strength is sufficient for us. In every season of the soul, there is a grace available to each and every one of you. Maybe you're here in your 20s, in your 30s, maybe in your 70s or 80s. There is a, a unique grace available for you from the throne of God to help you in the season you're in. I believe there's a unique grace for Good News Church right now. That God is going to help us in this season not only stabilize and strengthen, but grow and grow and grow. And see us get older and see us get younger and see us get more diverse and see God's name glorified because God's grace is sufficient and the gospel sustains us. That's why when Jesus said to pray, he said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say this month or this year. He doesn't pray a Costco prayer. Give us this month, a month's worth of chicken. No, no, he said, he, he, here's what he wants us to do. To come before him daily. To depend on him daily. And to, to confess, God, I am weak. But as I come into your presence, you give me the strength I need for this day. The gospel sustains us. Jesus sustains us. The question now becomes, are we putting ourselves in his presence Daily, confessing our weakness, proclaiming his strength, and accessing the strength that he wants to give us. See, this is the beauty of the cross right now. Every one of us at any moment can say, Jesus, six billion people in this world. And I can say, Jesus, and he hears me. Don't you think about that? Doesn't it just blow your mind that right now, when I call on the name of the Lord, my mom used to tell me when I was a little boy, and I have nightmares or whatever, she goes, I, I don't know, if you can't even pray, if you can't even pray, you just say the name of Jesus. When I was a little kid, I remember waking up going, Jesus, 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 and you know what? That was good teaching for my mom, because I learned something. There is a place of strength for our church. There's a place of strength for my marriage. There's a place of strength for me, and that place is Jesus. And I run to Jesus, and in that, that place, he sustains me. And finally, we are sent to preach the gospel. We, all of us, you say, no, Mark, that's what we hired you for. No, 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 you don't get off the hook that easy. We all are called. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We say it every week here, don't we? We say it every week. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. This call isn't just for me. That's for all of us. Romans 1 says this. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks. My wife's Greek, but I'm obligated to both, the Bible says. 
That was a joke. Lighten up, everybody. Jeez. Goodness sakes. You better get used to me. I'm sorry. Both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so, listen, eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Here is my goal. I know you're all getting to know me. I'm getting to know you. And you say, how does this guy roll? Here's what I, here's, here's my thought. Every song we sing needs to point to Jesus. Every sermon I preach points to Jesus. Every small group we have points to Jesus. Every event, when Allie works with a kid, with kids, when John Draxinger is with the younger people, when Joseph's doing his thing, all of what we do, all of us together, we take our finger and we say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not my personality. It's not John Blake's personality. It's not our gifting. It's not our talent. It's not our building. It is Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. And I'm telling you what, sometimes churches get into weird stuff, but we have to say, it's Jesus. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough to, to, to have it laying on my shoulders. I don't want it to land on my shoulders. But when people come to me, I, when I was younger, I always felt this thing like I have to have the right thing to say and know what to say. So I say, man, I don't know. We need to go to Jesus on that one because that's a big problem you're facing. And you know what? The, the older I got, I realized that was, that actually made me feel confident. You know what I mean? Here's why. You ever go to a doctor and the doctor seems to know it all? He doesn't. Those doctors scare me. Doctors that go, i never seen that before. I need to call someone. I trust that guy more. I, I never forget that, you know, someone, I watched them Google something about what I was going through. That did not, not inspire confidence, Caleb, in me, that they were like Googling my issue. I'm like, I can Google my own issues, you know. The thing is, as people come to us, the pressure is off because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. I don't always have the answers. Jesus has the answers. And I pray together as a church that we feel stirred up to press on into the gospel. Press on in declaring the gospel. Press into being sanctified and strengthened and sustained by the gospel. I want us all to stand to our feet and I want to pray with us here this morning. I promised some of the parents I would preach short because the kids are in the room and I know it's, it can get difficult with the kids here. I'm glad they're here. I haven't heard everyone scream too loud, so that's good. I love you, church. I'm praying for great things for the future of our church. Would you bow your heads, Lord? We love you so much. And God, I just want to declare, God, you are everything to me. And you are everything to us. And all that we need is in Jesus. We thank you for the finished work that you accomplished on the cross, that you gave me your righteousness in place of my sin. That all that I have is because of you. All my righteousness is as filthy rags. But Lord, you have given me your righteousness. And so, Lord, one day when I stand before the throne of God and, and Father God says, why should I let you in? I will say it's because of the blood of Jesus that covers me. It's not because of my good works. But, Lord, I pray in this season as we are just overwhelmed by the gospel that, Lord, our lives would reflect in everything we say and what we do as we declare all of our time, all of our talent, and all of our treasure is yours. God, however you want to use me, However you want to use us, Lord, we give you a loud amen, and we say yes, God. Lord, I pray your blessing to rest on this church, each individual. Lord, I even pray for those who aren't here yet, that, God, I believe even now you're drawing them. God, I pray that, Lord, for our friends and our neighbors and our family members, that, God, you begin to draw them and draw them and draw them. I know there's many in this region that don't know you yet, or maybe they think they know you, but they only know religion. But Lord, I pray even as they come to the doors of this house, 
they would find a relationship with Jesus Christ that would transform their hearts, Lord. I pray your blessing on us now as we go, that your grace would be on us and flow through us, that we would say this week belongs to Jesus. And anything you want to do in me and through me this week, we say yes and we say amen. And with that, all God's people say amen. God bless you, church. Love you so much. If you need prayer, I'm going to hang out here for a bit. If you need prayer, if not, have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week here at Good News Church. God bless you guys.